Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Tierney Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am your host here for Let's Talk About Sex. Let's Talk About Sex is a podcast sponsored by the Faith Community of Atlanta to discuss disruptive sexual ethics. At TFC, we practice greatest commandment theology. Everything you will hear us discuss here is rooted in the belief that your love for God is displayed through how you love your neighbor, which is an extension of how you love yourself. Therefore, you can't fully love God if you don't fully love your neighbor, and you can't fully love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. This framework is rooted in Matthew 22, verses 24 through 40. As we navigate these conversations around disruptive sexual ethics, we will encounter some topics that could potentially require a content or trigger warning. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About Sex, the podcast. I am your host, Tierney Jordan, and this week I am joined by the lovely Callie Cawthon Friels. Callie is our pastor of congregational care at TFC, and I'm so happy to have her here with us today. Callie, please introduce yourself to the people. Let them know a little bit about who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Tierney. Uh, so like Tierney said, I'm the Minister of Congregational Care here at the Faith Community, um, which is really exciting. Outside of what I do at the Faith Community, I'm also an author um, and have a book coming out this spring called Reclamation, uh, which is about finding spiritual growth and flourishing in the clobber passages. Um, so that's particularly exciting. Uh, you know, I am a queer woman um, and digging into that work is something that is really exciting to me. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited to be here to talk about sex. Yes, I'm so happy that you have a book coming out and I'm so happy that I will have the chance to buy it and read it and other things. So y'all be <laughs> on the lookout for that in 2022. Kelly's book will be available to the world. All right, so we like to jump straight out the gate here at Let's Talk About Sex. We don't really do softball questions. I love it. So the first thing I want to ask you is, what's your relationship with sex? Yeah, so my relationship with sex is complicated. And this next part comes with a little bit of a trigger warning. Um, I am a survivor of sexual assault. And so when I was a teenager, you know, any time after that, it was just very much like sex is bad, sex is bad, ah, no sex hurts people. Um, so definitely had to engage in a lot of healing <laughs> after that season, you know, um, thank God for good therapists and for really healing relationships. I didn't realize at the time that I'm gay. And so I dated a couple of guys throughout high school and college that were just really kind to me and highlighted to me what healthy intimacy can look like. We never had sex um, because, you know, I went to a private uh, evangelical Baptist college and, you know, that would have been a huge no-no, um, but they were able to redeem a little bit of what that intimacy looks like. So when I got to seminary, really started wrestling with my sexuality, realized that I am gay, um, I was able to engage in really healthy um, forms of physical intimacy, including sex um, with my now wife. Um, and I really enjoy having sex. <laughs> I think it's a way to really connect with someone on a level that you just don't really connect with other folks. Um, and it's really vulnerable. It's really nourishing. Um, you know, of course, like anything can be done poorly in terms of like how it affects you and your partner. Um, 
but done really thoughtfully, I think it can be a really healthy expression of love and pleasure. Um, so I love sex. Uh, that's my relationship with sex now, um, but it de definitely took a little bit of time to get to this point. Yeah, thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. You definitely did not owe us that bit of truth into your life. And so we are grateful that you trust this space with that part of who you are and that you shared that with us today. Absolutely. And um, I can definitely, I think a theme that we're going to see as we continue to have more people on is that sexual relationships can be complicated, but right. they don't have to stay complicated. And your relationship with sex can be complicated now and not have been complicated before or have been mm -hmm. complicated before and not be complicated now. And so you don't have to ever feel like you've arrived at some particular space about whatever your relationship with sex is because it can always grow and evolve if that's something that you want. Yeah, for sure. Like it's always adapting and evolving as you know your relationship to the world changes. Um, and I think that that can be a really beautiful and redemptive thing. Yeah, the only constant in life is change, so. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the main discussion for today. Um, I didn't really give it a title because we're doing like, you know, Bible things. So we are engaging Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on which Bible you read and where you come from. So chapter seven, verses seven through 10. And so I got a couple versions that we'll just read just so we can hear, you know, any differences and things like that that come up. And so I'll take the NRSV, if you could read the NIV, and then I'll finish okay. us off with the KJV. That's cool. Sounds good to me. Awesome. So Song of Songs, um, chapter seven, seven through 10 in the NRSV says... You are stately as a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its branches. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your kisses like the best wine that goes down smoothly, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. All right, awesome. So this is the same passage from the NIV. Um, your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. May the wine go straight to my beloved flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. All right, and surrounded out with the KJV, because if you are to have heard this passage in church, it was probably in this particular version, which says, this is thy stature, this thy stature is like to a palm tree and thy breast to clusters of grapes. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of the bows thereof now also thy breasts shall be as clusters of the vine and the smell of thy nose like apples and the roof of thy mouth like the best wine for my beloved that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. All right, so 
Do you remember how or when or where you were first introduced to this particular scripture? Yeah, interestingly enough, it definitely wasn't youth group um, when I was growing up. I, and I could absolutely be misremembering, but the first time I remember actually talking about it was in either my wisdom lit class my Hebrew class or my Old Testament class, all in undergrad. Um, and I remember our professor saying, some folks would argue that this is an allegory for how God loves the church. And then he didn't decide and was like, but I don't think that's what that is. It's erotic, y'all. Um, and then just kept going about his little business. <laughs> and we never really talked about it outside of that. Um, how about you? When was the first time you heard this one? So I was thinking about that as I like wrote the question to ask you. And I think it was when I was reading it to prepare for this podcast, because I don't think I've ever, like, I know the Song of Psalms is a part of the Bible, but it's mm-hmm. never been like assigned reading. We've never done like a Bible study lesson through it or anything like that. And so this particular chapter, I was like, I don't know that I've read this before. I don't know Mm -hmm. that I've engaged to this before. And like you were saying, it definitely didn't come up in youth group because they were trying to keep us far, far away from anything Mm -hmm. related to what's going on in this particular passage of scripture. And so, so yeah, I was like, I don't think I've read this before, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's interesting what parts of the Bible folks say are like worthy to study and what folks like say are in the bible that like it's not worthy to study but like you know air quotes here the whole word of god is infallible um so why do we skip over parts if that's the case but anyways that's another conversation for another day um but one thing i do remember from uh that converse that brief conversation in class was we talked about a couple different theories, you know, and he did talk about how some folks say that this is an allegory for how God loves the church. Um, but another theory that he talked about that was really intriguing to me, uh, well, at least it is intriguing to me now, then it kind of terrified me because I was like, this is the Bible and we're a Bible college and why are we talking about this? Um, but anyways, he talked about how um, with the wisdom literature, Um, during the time of Solomon, there were these things called wisdom schools, where basically the young men were to go and to learn Proverbs and to learn, um, you know, just how to be a good Jewish young man as you were growing up. And when they reached a certain age, they were then presented with this book. Um, And so kind of like this coming of age, right? Like maybe this is how ancient Uh, Jewish folks gave their sons the talk or whatever, but it it just seems like an interesting theory to think about, right? Like, how do you have these conversations uh, in an ancient society where there's not like a formal sex ed class? You know what I mean? Like, so that was back then the thought of that terrified me, but now I'm just like, that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like, so you know, some people talk about how, oh, yeah, I just tell my kids to read the Bible. I don't know that you should tell a five-year-old to just be out here 
choosing whichever part of the Bible they want to read. It's, mm-hmm. It can get violent. It can get like a bunch of things that we just shouldn't be get, asking five-year-olds to read. And so thinking about this, it's like, okay, once you hit puberty, it's like, all right, Song of Songs, that's the next book you need to read. Let me know what you think chapter by chapter and how you feel and what's coming up for you and all those things. That's a very interesting perspective. Um, so we talked about how you were introduced to the text. So reading it now and thinking about it now in your, um, you know, current context and lived experience, what do you see here? What, um, what's coming up? What affirmations or pushbacks do you have for the text? Yeah. And so honestly, when I was preparing for this week too, like I haven't spent a lot of time on this book. So I too was having to like do readings and stuff. And so I actually consulted this fantastic resource called the Women's Bible Commentary. Highly recommend it to all the people um, in terms of, you know, looking at the books of the Bible through particularly, you know, female lenses and looking for those voices that often get overlooked when we interpret scripture. So highly recommend that resource. But I was reading through that and it was really interesting how they highlighted you know, the fact that the desire for both the man and the woman in this text, like, is talked about. And as I read through that, I just couldn't help but think about, you know, this um, book, uh, story, poem, whatever you want to call it, um, was written in the middle of a patriarchal society when women didn't have rights or agency in the way that we do in America today. and her desire is affirmed, right? Like I, thinking back throughout the church, I cannot think of a time in my religious upbringing when sexual desire in a woman was okay. You know what I mean? It was always about don't turn on the guys, make sure you cover up, don't wear a two-piece swimsuit, like all of this stuff to protect um, the guys from experiencing desire, but ultimately it was like, oh, if they get turned on, like, that's just how guys are wired. But in terms of like us as women, like it was almost as if, you know, we're just there to turn other folks on, but we don't experience these desires. And if we do, something's wrong with us. So to see in scripture, women have these desires and you know what, it's okay. That I think is just incredibly amazing um and i feel like it's something that we need to scream from the rooftops (laughs) um but that's one thing that really stood out to me as i was reading through it this week you know just this affirmation that our sexual desires are you know i would go as far as say god-given and affirmed yeah and so like because if you look at the text from like verses seven to like 9a to be like churchy the a clause of the ninth verse Mm -hmm. the um the man is speaking but from 9b into 10 the woman is speaking and so like you're saying you get both perspectives you get desire from the male and you get desire from the female and I completely agree the churches and traditional spaces has taught us that it's like no you don't have any desire you just follow the desires of the person who is quote-unquote over you or you're in a relationship with or whatever and it's like if you do have desire and if you're out here using your autonomy and agency to um, manifest those desires something is wrong with you you quote unquote fast you are you know out here being illicit in things and that's just not true and if we're gonna use the bible 
as a foundation for explaining why or why that isn't true, it's like, it's right there in the part you tell Mm us, you don't encourage us to read. Right. Not that you don't tell us to read, you just don't encourage us to read. Mm -hmm. Right. And like how there's a subtle difference in that, that really makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. And if we really want to like push that envelope on like, you know, that toxic theology that I think, you know, comes out of purity culture and all of that stuff, which I know that you all have talked about a lot (laughs) in both the group and on this podcast, um, is as far as I can tell, there's nowhere in this book where it says that these two folks are married. It's the two lovers, right? So in terms of not only are we seeing positive affirmations of sexual desire in both a man and a woman, it's not even folks who are married. So that I think can also be an incredibly liberative thing for us to read um, and to acknowledge that these are two folks likely not married who are experiencing this desire for one another and expressing that desire for one another. And it's celebrated by the friends, right? Because there are parts uh, both earlier in the book and after the verse that we're looking at where their friends are talking about like, oh, how great it is that you're experiencing this stuff for each other. And just what a radical thing to see in the Bible. Yeah, completely different from what we've been taught in our culture Mm -hmm. that's supposedly based off of what's going on in the biblical culture. And so you talked about... um, expanding the text outside of you know traditional views so outside of marriage so let's talk about what expanding this text outside of heteronormativity is and so we have defined heteronormativity here before but in case this is your first episode heteronormativity is the um, traditional ways we've been taught to view partnership that they have Mm -hmm. to be heterosexual and that we have like the heterosexual agenda has been pushed for forever, which is how we got to heteronormativity. And so we want to make sure that we are, um, you know, dismantling that. And so what do you think pushing pushing this um, text outside the bounds of heteronormativity would look like? Yeah, that is a really good question. And, you know, of course, I come to this text as a queer woman because I can't not ever come to the text as anything other than a queer woman um yes I mean I will say the parts about the guy are like significantly less interesting um but that's you know that's me and how I'm wired um but I do think you know just that conversation of you know it doesn't seem like these folks are married they're two lovers expressing desire for each other I think um a big part of heteronormativity is our culture's obsession with marriage. So by highlighting that there seems to be a lack of that in this scripture, we're already starting to like pull at that thread of like, you know, heteronormativity is what keeps our society like functioning and normal and uh, whatever, Um, every trope that you've heard on that. So I think that that's at least a start in terms of pulling at that raveling. Um, In terms of reading it from a particularly queer lens I think it would be interesting if we took those little headings out right because you know like when we're looking at the bible I'm looking at mine right now and they're very clear like little paragraph headings where it's like the beloved the lover the friends the beloved the lover the friends those headings whenever you see them in the bible weren't included by the authors those are something that editors 
retroactively added when they were translating the scripture. Um, so anytime you see that in the New Testament, even where it's like separating out all the different parables of Jesus, those were added later, those titles were added later, and the same thing whoop, happens here. So it'd be curious for me, I think, to see what it would look like if those were taken out where we can't tell who's talking. Um, and I think that that could add a lot of interesting things from a queer perspective because it's like we don't really know who's talking. Is it between a man and a woman? Is it between like these two folks that we don't know? Um, because without those indicators, it's incredibly challenging to tell. So that's yeah. just an interesting thought experiment. And at the end of the day, does it matter? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, yes, we have the beloved, the like, and the lover and the friends and all this other stuff. But these are two humans who are engaging in conversation with one another right ultimately what their gender is does not matter as they're talking about desire as they're talking about you know intimacy relationship partnership all those things so mm-hmm. yeah i don't really need that yeah and even if we want to push that envelope that much farther um if you know and i'd have to do a much closer reading of this book but if we remove those headings is it obvious that there are just two people you know what I mean? It could be several lovers coming together because you know, we know uh, polyamorous relationships were incredibly common back then and uh, marriages between multiple folks were incredibly common back then. So I think that would be also a really interesting thing to try and discern if we took those headers out. And in, if it's not discernible, it's, it's also still something that the Bible would seemingly affirm, right? If it's just these people coming together to share in this you know, beautiful act of intimacy together. Um, And we don't know how many folks are there. So that I would need to do a much closer reading of the Bible, but that is of the uh, text here. But that I think would be a really interesting thing to explore. Yeah. And it's crazy how, you know, as we have these conversations, so many things come up, so many angles come up, so many perspectives come up. And if we didn't have a space where we could just throw out random thoughts and ideas and Mm -hmm. questions sometimes we wouldn't even get to those beautiful possibilities because it's like oh well that can't be there I can't even ask that question of the text in the first place to even figure out if we can go down this rabbit hole and so it's just so it's just so crazy how so many things have been like we've been limited and so many things have been stifled just based on you know asking the right questions or you know the Mm. things that we should or shouldn't be thinking as it relates to the biblical text and that's just wild to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 100% an external thought, uh, processor. And so half of these thoughts that we're like discussing like right now did not occur to me when I was preparing my notes for today. Like not at all. So <laughs> I'm thankful for spaces like these. Yeah. And doing the work in community, right? So one, you don't get lost in your own head, but then two, bouncing ideas off of other people allows you to have new ideas. And so it's just like, if we have, if we have conversations about disruptive sexual ethics in community and with each other, we see so many different things inside and outside of the biblical text, which is, you know, the whole point of being here, but it's so cool too. (laughs) Um, And so thinking about disruptive sexual ethics and naming ethics explicitly, I was thinking about how a lot of our theologies and approaches to um, religion and spirituality don't leave much room for pleasure and desirability Mm, and how those are often not at the forefront of what we are taught is important in those those spaces and so did you have any thoughts around that did any of that come up for you as you were thinking about you know specifically the ethical perspectives of engaging this text yeah not 
Not as much, you know, I think for me, as I was reading through it, I just couldn't stop that train of thought that was like, this is so weird to see in the Bible, right? Because so many of the biblical texts that we see are about suffering, are about pain, are about, you know, someone who has experienced a great hurt at, you know, for the sake of their spiritual growth or whatever, you know, you think of the story of Job. Right, you think of the story of Jesus on the cross and Jesus being betrayed and whatnot. And so much of those stories that we focus on in the Bible are those stories of like this person had this really terrible experience, but look how God redeemed that for God's glory. Amen. Um, and so we don't really focus on anything that's joyful, you know what I mean? So, like when Jesus is eating dinner with his friends or like when they're sitting on the shore cooking that fish or just like all these other times when you know Jesus is just living life with folks we don't talk about you know what were they talking about were they telling stories were they laughing together like we don't talk about that because we have this weird obsession with if I'm not suffering I'm not doing my faith right um and so I think in order to really get out of verse like this and really talk about how pleasure is good and God ordained, we got to deal with all that other shit. Like we've got to deal with our cultural obsession with suffering um, because suffering is air quotes good. Um, but yeah, so it's not exactly directly related specifically to the words on the page that we're looking at here. Um, but I as I look at this, to me, I can't separate those two ideas. Like I have to deal with the suffering in order to accept the pleasure um, and work through all of whatever toxicity is still milling around in there so I can engage this passage in a healthy way. Yeah. And that completely makes sense because so much of our focus is, you know, on the cross and that's a moment of suffering, right? And so Mm -hmm. if our theology is based on the cross how could you enjoy the pleasures and the desirabilities and the intimacies that are Mm -hmm. God ordained when you've been taught your entire religious experience that oh no what Jesus did on the cross that's the ultimate sacrifice that's the the all in all that's the end all be all right and for me one of my desires with the group and the podcast in general is to kind of is to push back at those and to right. say no god desires for us to have lives of pleasure god desires for us to be desired god desires for us to feel like we belong and are in relationship and partnership out inside or outside of marriage based on whatever your desires are for that right because if you don't want to be married i'm not desiring for you to be married because that's right. not my business that's your right. business. And so just just taking all of the certainties and the requirements off of that and just saying you can have a life that's full of pleasure, desirability, and that's what God will want for you. Right. Even though that's very counteractive to what people have been taught and sometimes getting them to jump on board with that is a pushback within themselves just because it takes a process of learning unlearning and relearning Mm -hmm. to even get to that place yeah for sure because there's just so much to unpack and just that thought of our like at least in our faith traditions growing up there was just so much of that focus on the cross and part of me is just like how much easier would it be to read this text from song of songs if our faith was based on the resurrection because the resurrection is joy the resurrection is celebration the resurrection is 
communities coming together and laughing and rejoicing. And that's what this text is about. It's about enjoying one another's company. And so I wonder how much more palatable this passage would be if our faith traditions hammered in the resurrection so much more than they ever hammered in the cross. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a great conversation. We are almost out of time. As we wrap up today's episode, do you have any lingering thoughts, any lingering questions, anything you want to throw at us or leave us with? Yeah, I think really for me, it's just not necessarily a thought, not necessarily a question, but just a reminder that you can spend your whole life dedicating dedicated to studying the scripture and still be surprised. You know, like I've got two degrees in religion and have been doing this ministry thing for a while now and was completely caught off guard by what this conversation was going to look like today. And I would just offer the listeners like the same kind of perspective. You know, you could have been reading the Bible for 10 years. You could be reading the Bible for 50 years. And I promise you, there's still stuff in there that's going to surprise you and embrace the surprise. Don't balk against it. You know, like there's still growth to be had here. So I encourage you to read this scripture, maybe with new eyes and say, how might God be inviting me to embrace pleasure? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because like, <laughs> we don't, we don't have all the answers. Every right. time you read a familiar passage of scripture, you see something different. That's how we get all these sermons from all these different perspectives. Like people, some people preach 52 times a year. It's just like, every time you read it, God shows you something different. So being Mm -hmm. open to the difference, being open to the newness and the possibilities, there's beauty in that. Thank you so much for being here with us today and engaging me in this conversation. Um, How can the people find you? How can they connect with you? Where would you like to be found? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Facebook, Callie Coffin Friels. Um, you can find me there. I also have a website where um, I talk about spiritual direction and stuff like that. And that website is reclamationtheology.com. So feel free to connect there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Callie. All right. Thank you for having me, Tierney. This has been fun. If you would like early access to these episodes, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash TFCATL. You can also check us out on our Facebook group. Just search Let's Talk About Sex. We keep all of these conversations going in between episodes. We have a meetup every last Wednesday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to hop in on one of those, be sure to join our Facebook group so you can get the link. As always, I'm Tierney Jordan of Let's Talk About Sex, the podcast.